Welcome back to the Below Average Joe's MMA show. The weekend preview is here, and it is going to be a big one. UFC 294 goes down this Saturday in Abu Dhabi. Headline with the rematch, Islam Makachev versus the featherweight champion of the world, Alexander Volkanovsky. They are competing for the lightweight championship at 155 pounds on 11 days notice and it doesn't stop there the drama doesn't stop there because in the co-main event another switcheroo Hamzat Chemaev welcoming Kamaru Usman to 185 pounds to middleweight technically Hamzat is number four ranked at welterweight alongside number one in Kamaru Usman but we've at least seen Hamzat up there a time or two in his day in the UFC but not Kamaru Usman and that fight is on 10 days notice all of the chaos from the last couple of weeks, the week and a half really, leading into this fight is now here, and we are going to get into the action on today's show alongside some other quick hitters on the card because it is a pretty solid card from top to bottom, and we will finish the show off with a trifecta of December fight announcements. So hope you guys are ready. It's a big weekend. Big fight feel is in the air. Let's hop into UFC 294. No more waiting. No more games. UFC 294 is here. The lightweight championship of the world will be defended in Abu Dhabi this weekend. The champion, Islam Makachev, riding a 12-fight win streak at lightweight, looking for his second successful title defense versus the same man, and that man is Alexander Volkanovsky, the current featherweight champion of the world, a man that is 13-0 in his weight class at 145 pounds, but the lone loss of his career in the UFC is to Islam Makachev. It's time to break it down. We're getting this fight on 11 days notice, but it has everything about it that is a big fight feel. Let's talk some X's and O's, let's talk storylines, and let's talk excitement levels for this huge, huge main event. It doesn't get much better than a fight like this. It really doesn't. This is how it felt when these two were lined up to fight each other the first time. Islam Makachev, Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky, the number two ranked pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world, the current sitting 145-pound featherweight champion. Islam Makachev, the number three ranked pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world, putting up his title on 11 days notice against the unoriginal opponent and you just look at that record right there in the middle 24 and 1 for Islam Makachev 13 and 1 in the UFC 26 and 2 13 and 1 in the UFC for Volkanovski the exact same UFC records a combined 50 wins and 3 losses there's no way around it this you, you can't get a fight that is more high level than this right here champion versus champion storylines out the yin yang and let's start with that drama that led into this fight islam makachev was looking to have a rematch in the ufc 294 main event but not against volkanovsky it was supposed to be against charles Oliveira. charles goes down in round five of his final sparring session before tra uh, traveling to abu dhabi a nasty cut over his eyebrow had to get it stitched up did not want to compete at what he said was 80%. Wanted to be a full 100% ready for Islam Makachev, and you can't blame him there. 
But what does the UFC do? They go to the phones. They got to save this main event. They got to save this huge pay-per-view in Abu Dhabi. And in steps a sitting champion down a weight class, someone that has already lost to Islam Makachev. But boy, oh boy, it came in exciting fashion and a classic, just phenomenal high-level main event fight that went down earlier this year, February, uh, to be exact. And we're getting it ran back here October 21st. Volkanovsky, man, what more can be said about this guy? And to get it out of the way, credit to both men. Islam Makachev by no means had to say yes to defending his title against a brand new opponent on this short of a turnaround, especially an opponent as prestigious and as talented as Alexander Volkanovsky. But for Volk here, I just feel like this is where a vast majority of the story of the fight go. And it's that this man is trying to become a double champion, which is always a big deal. Maybe it's not as big of a deal now as it once was, but it's still a huge thing, especially for legacy purposes. And Alexander Volkanovsky has made it clear he's all about legacy in this fight game. So looking to become a double champion. To do so, he must beat the man that has already beaten him, and not only just beaten him, but beat him this calendar year. It's not even been a full year since these two have fought. It will have been just a tad smidge over eight months since, the, since these guys have fought. And it's up a weight class at 155 pounds, a class where you always look at Volk. He's never been the biggest, even at his own weight class of 145. He's constantly undersized. I mean, just look at those last five fights there. Yair, longer and bigger than him. Max, a little bit longer. Somehow the reach is always funny with Volkanovski. He even has a bigger reach than Islam. I'll never understand that. Korean Zombie, bigger than Volk. Brian Ortega, bigger than Volk. But it hasn't mattered when he steps into the cage with these people. The one time it did matter was that loss to Islam Magachev. And it's not like Islam won that fight with ease. It was a very razor-thin, super competitive bout uh, that could have honestly went either way. And it's a fight that still, even to this day, I could easily find a reason to score it for either man. And it's those types of fights that you just got to love. You just got to enjoy. You just have to cherish because you don't get many like that, especially with these circumstances. So it is just an incredible thing that Volkanovsky is trying to achieve here. And let us not forget that he said, regardless, win or loss, he's still trying to turn around in three months, fight in January, and defend his featherweight title against Ilya Toporia. And that's more of a Monday thing for sure. But it's just crazy, everything going on and going in to this fight. For Islam, the protege of Habib, right? That's always been the label, if you will, attached to him. And, you know, maybe that's good, maybe that's bad, but he's done nothing shy of living up to that. That is a lot of pressure if you really break it down and think about it. Habib retired at 29 and 0, was a champion, defended his title, had the biggest pay per view in UFC history against Conor McGregor, all these rivalries. Habib did it all, and he did it all flawlessly or as close to flawlessly as you can. And Islam is doing a phenomenal job, if you ask me, in following in those footsteps and carrying that legacy forward for their camp, for Habib's father. You know, he's won 12 fights in a row, only one falter in the UFC, and that was many, many years ago when he was brand new in the game. I think it was his second 
ever UFC fight. It's amazing how good Islam is, and it only still 31 years old, right in those prime years. And this was, I want to bring this up too. This was something that Noah would always hit, and I loved when he would bring it up. Alexander Volkanovsky, freshly 35 years old as of September 29th, just a few weeks ago. And you know, once you hit that 35-year-old mark, if you're under 170 pounds, the odds are heavily stacked against you to win your matches, to win your title fights, to defend your title, capture a title if you're Volkanovsky here. It's something along the lines of like 2-29 and 29 or 2-30 and 30 or something like that. And I think Tyron Woodley has both of those wins. I don't have that stat quite as locked down in my head like Noah did, but I hope I did him justice there. I believe it's something along those lines. So now that Volk has kind of crossed that Mendoza line, if you will, is that going to play a factor? Are Volk's best days behind him? Because we surely have not seen any signs of him slowing down. Even in a losing effort to Islam, there was no such thing as a slowing down marker for Volkanovsky's career. He bounces back, fights in July against Yair Rodriguez, and damn near pitches a shutout and even finishes Yair Rodriguez. Man, I mean, this guy continues to get better and better, and I believe that the beauty about watching Alexander Volkanovsky is his fight IQ and his ability to adapt alongside with his team to his opponents and the game plans that they are bringing into the cage. Volk will always have a great game plan coming in, but it's like those guys over in his camp prepare six or seven different game plans, and they can choose to switch up to any of them at any given moment in any of these title fights that Volk has been in. And that is an amazing, amazing thing to see that you don't get to witness very often. But if there's someone that can match that, the fight IQ and the ability to adapt or stay stern on your strengths, even when your opponent is kind of uh, just as good as you, it would be Islam Makachev. Look at the victory he has against Volk. He did everything that he had to do to ensure a victory in that fight. And how is this fight going to play out any differently? Is it going to be another five-round, just insanely high-level title fight? It very well could be. But this is where that 11 days, that short notice has to come into play. Volk has made it clear that he's a dangerous man right now. Everything to gain, nothing to lose. He doesn't, I mean, obviously he cares if he loses here, right? He only gets so many opportunities to become a double champ. But in a sense, he's just coming in to try and wing it, try and make history, try and chase greatness. And if he loses, oh well. He goes back down and defends his own throne at featherweight. That's what is so cool about the way that this fight has came together. And Islam, not caring who it was, was ready to fight anybody. I'm pretty sure, I'm recording this before weigh-ins, but I think Matos Gamrot is also going to be in Abu Dhabi as a potential backup fighter, replacement fighter, knock on wood, we don't need to see Matos. No offense to you, Matos Gamrot, you're a great fighter, but we got to see this fight get ran back, man. So this is going to be super, super exciting. I expect it to be high level. Do I see a finish? I, I have a hard time seeing a finish, and this is why. Because I don't see either of these guys getting finishes, right? I love watching them finish their opponents. Islam's done it in the past. Volk has just done it uh, in July. They are both obviously capable. They're two of the top three best fighters in the world. 
regardless of weight class, but neither man can get finished. And that is what makes it so fun. Yes, Islam's only loss was by knockout. Okay, you got me there. But you guys get the point. These are at the top of their game. These two fighters right now in their prime in Islam Makachev. Maybe, maybe just now starting to come out of the prime in Volkanovsky, but I'm not ready to commit to that because he hasn't shown it yet. This is going to be insane. We're in for a treat. If you're a fight fan, it can't get much better than this. Maybe it doesn't blow the roof off on the box office, right? Or get all the millions and millions and millions of views on social media for some animosity or hatred or heat. But man, nine times out of 10, I'll take a rivalry like this over the kind of forced, cringy trash talk that we can get sometimes because this is the best in the world at 155 versus the best in the world at 145. Both men looking to cement legacies. Both men looking to make history, chase greatness, etch themselves in stone in MMA history. That's why fights like this are so special. And the fact that we get it twice in the same year in 2023 says all that needs to be said about this fight. UFC 294 main event. Islam Makachev, Alexander Volkanovsky, they're running it back. Give me all of your predictions. Who's going to win? How are they going to win? Will it be a draw? I hope it's not a draw. But give me all of your thoughts on any possible outcome that you see. I have a hard time making a prediction. I have a hard time having a lean in this fight because of the way that Volk seems to be approaching this as compared to the last one. I partially want to lean Islam. He is the betting favorite, minus 278. Volk, plus 225 on the comeback. Islam's been in a training camp. Alexander Volkanovsky, I think, even had like a little minor surgery after the Yair Rodriguez fight, coming in off of the couch, if you will. It's a tall task for him, for sure, but if anyone can get it done, I believe it can be Volk here. So let me know what you guys think. Now that the main event talk is out of the way, we cover the co-main event, the number one ranked welterweight in the world, Kamara Usman, versus the number four ranked welterweight in the world, Hamzat Chimaev. But they are fighting at middleweight 185 pounds, and the winner gets the title opportunity against Sean Strickland. No pressure, right? Let's get into it. The Wolf, Hamzat Chimaev, putting the perfect 12-0 record on the line against the former welterweight champion of the world, Kamaru Usman. This one, 10 days notice, right? The main event got put together on 11 days. They said, uh, we can do one better over here in the welterweight division. Now that the fight's happening at middleweight, of course. But uh, Kamaru Usman accepts this fight, short notice, comes in to replace Paulo Costa, who had a really nasty elbow injury. He's been posting pictures of it on Twitter. It is disgusting. So I understand why that fight did not happen. Paulo, I hope you recover soon and that we can see you back in the cage. You are a one crazy fella to follow for sure. But damn, is he exciting to watch. But we don't get to see him this weekend at UFC 294. But man, do we have a way, way more intriguing fight in my opinion. Not only is this a former champion, Kamaru Usman, coming up to fight Hamzat Chimaev in what will, at least on paper, be Chimaev's hardest fight to date. Uh, and really, by far, at least it should be name value wise and such. But the fact that Kamaru is doing this, yes, the short notice thing, but coming up to 185, how's he going to look? He's he's a big, muscular, strong guy for sure. But at 170, 
I don't know. We never heard him talk about depleting himself, draining himself, being miserable during weight cuts, right? I feel like he is a perfect 170-pound fighter. So to see what he'll shape out and look like at 185 will be interesting, especially face-to-face with Hamzat Chmaev, who, yes, we've seen at middleweight before. Hamzat seems like the type of guy that could probably do 205 if he really wanted to. He's two inches taller. He doesn't seem to be as thick of a body as Usman, but I don't know, man. I think this is going to be, you know, come Saturday when they're face-to-face across from each other in the cage, Hamzat's going to look pretty big. So it's up to Usman. Like, how is he going to fill out? That's very, very interesting to follow along with. But, uh, you know, the drama here in this one, Hamzat has managed to make himself as close to a superstar as one can be without officially breaking through that superstar barrier. And he's done it with two ranked wins. Li Jingliang, I guess, was probably ranked at that time that that fight happened. But just the inactivity as of late, it's been weird. Like, Chimaev, in a sense, has been able to be forgotten about because he hasn't made a lot of noise, you know, during his time off, during these layoffs between fights. But the second something gets announced with him, or for example, this week, people go nuts for the guy. And he just has this aura around him, this special thing about him ever since he debuted, you know, in the UFC back a couple of years ago in 2020. The three fights in like less than a month and a half, two fights in eight days, he was doing things that we had like never even seen before and making it look so easy. Some of the numbers that he was putting up against people the strike discrepancies and whatnot was insane but the biggest test he's ever had was against someone that Kamara Usman has also beaten in Gilbert Burns a former title challenger and that fight got ugly boy was it one of the best fights of 2022 but it was ugly here and there for Hamzat Chmaev but I'll, I'll say this and I still stand on this ground to this day Hamzat could have made that fight a lot easier I thought he approached that fight solely for the purpose of having a war, to just go and swang and bang against Gilbert Burns. Why? I don't know. Hindsight, I'm glad he did because it was one of the best fights of the last couple of years for sure. And we got to really see like, okay, Hamzat, like when the going gets tough, when it gets ugly, you got that dog in you. It's not always going to come easy like it has been against the other guys' names on this list that you're seeing here. But to still be able to dig deep and get a win over a seasoned veteran like that in Gilbert Burns, it did say a lot, regardless of how I felt he did approach that fight and how he could have approached it differently. And, you know, Kamaru's been so battle-tested, man. I mean, he's coming off of a five-round fight with Leon back in March. We've seen it all with Kamaru Usman. And I'll say, you know, his biggest test with grapplers has been Colby Covington, right? But both of those fights that they had, both of which Kamaru won, they stood the whole entire time. They struck the entire uh, length of both of those fights for the majority of the time, 90% of it. For Hamzat here, obviously going to be a phenomenal grappler, wrestler that Kamaru is going to have to face up a weight class as well, which is another added factor. Is it going to come into play here? Like, is Chamayev just going to come in and ragdoll Kamaru Usman? Like, can is that going to happen? Like, it's kind of hard to envision that and see that but it's not 
out of the realm of possibility. That's how special I believe Hamzat Chmaev really is. It's just a matter of can Kamaro stop it? Can he hold good in the takedown defensive realm? He did great against, you know, the Colby Covingtons of the world, but Hamzat does it in such a different way, a more, you know, um, I don't know. Colby's that traditional American style wrestler, right? Hamzat does not approach those takedowns and the grappling in the same way. He just feels like uses all out brute strength, but still there's so much technique in there that I feel like it's hard to grasp from like a fan perspective. It's just so much different here. And I don't know if Kamaru can withstand that, especially on 10 days notice, especially giving up the size that he's going to be giving up. At least I believe he's going to be giving up in this fight, man. I've seen a lot of people throwing out like bets on this card trying to get Chemaev watered down. He's minus 325, Kamar Usman plus 260, dog. I think that's the first time Kamar's been a betting underdog since the Tyron Woodley fight, if I'm not mistaken. So that was back in March of 2019, many, many fights ago and many years ago now. I'm not saying I'm surprised that Chemaev's the favorite. It's a little wide, minus 300, right, against you know a proven commodity and champion, and Kamar Usman, a great, great elite-level fighter. But I think a lot of people, and including myself, feel that Kamaru's slowly, slowly but surely on that downward spiral, right? On that decline. And that seems disrespectful to Leon. So I don't mean it that way. Leon is phenomenal, and he was so great in that rematch. To be able to not only come back and have the head kick knockout to win the title from Kamaru, but to then prove in the rematch that you can beat him over the course of 25 minutes, that proves that you're a legitimate champion and high-level fighter. So uh, that's no slight to Leon. But it's been made evident that Kamara's knees are just going out on him. He's been wrestling for so many years, so much wear and tear on that body. It is good that he's not making the weight cut, and 185 could be a thing for him for however much longer his career lasts. But man, 36 years old now. Chemayev, 29, seven years younger than the former champion, and just so much more momentum. There's so much more on the side of Hamzat Chemayev, regardless of the layoffs and the drama surrounding some of the fights that he tries to get into, and then they fall through. And just look at UFC 279 last year, Kevin Holland somehow making his way into that fight, and Chemayev just doing what he had to do to dispose of him. There's something about this guy that is so much different than a lot of the other big-name fighters, big-name stars of this modern era of the fight game. And pair that with this momentum and the clear, clear skill sets that he has. This is a big, big uphill battle for the former champion, Kamar Usman. But, dude, I mean, Dana coming out and saying the winner of this gets Strickland, adding that little extra incentive and you know, that little extra sprinkle of hype that didn't even need to happen for this. I mean, so many people are excited for this fight. Now you add that the winner's going to face Strickland for the title. Kamaru looking to just further cement his legacy. It's already been cemented. So many title defenses and title victories, and he had 15 straight wins in a row, was one shy of tying Anderson Silva's record. I mean, he's done some amazing, amazing things. And to think that he can still this late into his career come in you'd have to knock off one of the biggest hyped prospects and talents that the UFC's seen in a very long time 
and then you can get a title opportunity against Sean Strickland and win a second title up a weight class at 185, that would be quite a way to kind of go out in your career, right? I'd say, assuming, like, let's say Kamaru wins this fight, I'd say he would have this fight, a title fight with Strickland, and then if he wins against Strickland, I'd say he would defend one time and retire. If he loses to Strickland, I think he will retire. So I think we're seeing, at most, two to three fights in Kamar Usman's career left. For Hamzat, the guy's so young. Only six fights in the UFC. He has so many fights left in the tank. Maybe he even ventures to 170 before it gets too late, you know, and makes a run there. He He's made it clear he wants to win three belts. Not one, not two, but three championships, welterweight, middleweight, and light heavyweight down the road. And it's going to sound crazy, but I think if anybody can, it's him. If anybody can freaking do it, it is Hamzat Chmaev. But he gets to answer a lot of questions this weekend. I know it's short notice, not the original fight, not the guy that he was game planning for. You know, you add that in as well, much like the Islam and Volk fight. Kamaru coming off the couch, if you will. Chmaev was in a training camp for Paolo Costa. All signs point toward a Chmaev victory. Eileen Chemaev. I have a hard time, much like in the main event as well, seeing such a great fighter and champion and Usman getting finished. But I see a finish happening here much easier than I do in that main event slot. This is a Chemaev is there, right? Like I just said about the superstar, kind of he's there without having officially broken through. This is the one. You beat Kamara Usman here in Abu Dhabi on a huge high-profile card. You get a title fight next, all but guaranteed by Dana White. He's there. The hype train will have officially arrived uh, for good, assuming we can get more activity out of him, more consistency now, kind of like the old Hamza. Not that you have to fight three times in a month, but more consistency in 2024. And I think we're going to be on to something that is very, very uh, special class of fighter with Hamzat Chmaev. It's going to be a doozy. It's going to be a banger for as long or as, as short as this fight goes. Let me know what you guys think. What's your predictions? Can Kamar Usman defy the odds? Can he come up a weight class on 10 days notice and derail Hamzat Chmaev, take away his perfect record in route to getting a title fight in 2024 at middleweight? Or Chmaev keep rolling? Will he get that win, that statement win to solidify how damn good that he is give me all your thoughts give me all your predictions the big big boys the main and co-main event are out of the way there are a couple other quick hits i want to get into for the rest of ufc 294 it starts at light heavyweight magomed ankalaev number two in the world johnny walker number seven kind of getting slept on this week but there are some pretty heavy implications regarding this fight Let's touch on them really quick, shall we? We have a pair of 31-year-old light heavyweights looking to make their mark, looking to solidify that they are the next number one contender for the light heavyweight championship of the world. Let's talk about this division real quick, shall we? Let's get caught up <laughs> as we get into number two, Ankalaya versus number seven, Walker. Last year, December 10th to be exact, Ankalaya faces Jan Blachowicz for the vacant light heavyweight title after Yuri went down with injury. Okay. Got that out of the way, right? All good. Ankalaev became the uh, vacant champion, right? Jan Blachowicz became the interim champion, right? Someone became a champion, right? 
right? Wrong. They fought to a draw. Uh, and then Jamal Hill fought Glover Teixeira a month later in January of 2023. He became the undisputed champion with that vacant belt. And all was right in the world. Jamal Hill was the champion. He would fight Yuri later on in the year once he's recovered. Everything's just dandy. No, not at all. So we go down to middleweight real quick to add some wrinkles into the division. Alex Pereira loses his middleweight title to Israel Adesanya, decides he wants to come up to 205 pounds. That's great. He gets booked to fight Jan Blahovich. That's awesome, right? Great debut fight. Winner of that will fight Jamal Hill. Well, Jamal Hill gets injured. He vacates his title. They don't put a vacant title on the line for Jan Blahovich versus Alex Pereira, but they do say that the winner of that will fight Yuri Prohaska at the end of the year, which is booked for December 16th now. Or no, not December 16th. Scratch that. They are fighting in November as the co-main event under John Jones and Stipe Miocic. My goodness gracious, what a doubleheader that is. I'm rambling. Alex Pereira beats Jan Blahovich. He will be facing Yuri Prohaska in November for the vacant light heavyweight title. And now, this weekend, we get Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker. Looking to potentially cement a number one contender status next to their name. There is one wrinkle, you know, a wrench in those plans. It could be the return of Jamal Hill in 2024, but he had a ruptured Achilles. I'm not exactly sure his timeline. I could see the winner here, Ankalaya versus Walker, facing the winner of Yuri versus Alex. In the meantime, before Jamal comes back, I would say Jamal will be back around this time next year, which would lead me to think there will at least be one more light heavyweight title fight, maybe around springtime or early summer of 2024. That's at least what I'm thinking in my head here. So this is a big fight, and it's getting slept on, as I said off the top. I don't really understand why. Well, I do understand why, because all of the crazy stuff that has been going on in the main and co-main event but you look past all that drama, this is a pretty big-time fight. Uncle Iev's looking to right wrongs, even though it wasn't a losing effort. It was kind of just a weird fight with Jan Blachowicz. It kind of was a doll, to put it lightly, but he's been on an absolute tear. The win streak he's on is insane. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, nine-fight win streak. You know, no, no, nothing crazy, right? He's been on a roll, halted, by that weird fight with Jan last December. But Johnny Walker, the man that once was labeled as someone who could dethrone John Jones, the young Brazilian hype train from years ago, boy, did he falter in some of those big fights. He went on a span where he lost four out of five with the only win, no pun intended, was against Ryan Span. But ever since September of 2022, last year at UFC 279, a card filled with drama and filled with the co-headliner Hamzat Chmaev, Johnny Walker started the resurgence of his career. He beats Jan Kudalaba by submission. That caught a lot of people off guard. He beats Paul Craig by TKO in January in Brazil, and he's coming off of a decision victory in May against Anthony Smith. We have an eight-fight win streak. Did I say eight or nine? I already forget. Eight or nine fight win streak for Ankalaya versus a three fight win streak for Johnny Walker. Yet it feels that all of the momentum is on the side of Johnny Walker. All of that hype that was once there is now back. People are back on board. This is a very fun fight. It could be one where Ankalaya 
really pulls out the grappling card and tries to just, you know, play damage control, does not want to give Walker the wild, easy, not easy, but just like the strikes that he's looking for, the craziness that Johnny looks for. Uncle Ive is a very intelligent, smart fighter in his own right, and he can make this fight easier than what Johnny Walker surely wants it to be. But if Johnny has really made improvements and has really became, you know, determined to pursue this title in this run that he's on, I could definitely see a world where he wins this fight. 100%. You know, it's going to be hard for him to get a finish, but he proved that even against Anthony Smith, he can win a decision now. He doesn't gas out or get crazy. He has, in his own right, polished up his game. It's gotten a little bit cleaner, a little bit less reckless. And I think that he needs more of that in this fight if he wants to find success and get a victory against Magomed Ankalaev. This is a huge fight, guys. Don't overlook this fight. This has a lot of importance. I truly think the winner will be fighting for a title next until Jamal Hill recovers. So be on the lookout for this. It's the featured bout this Saturday. All right, and then the rest of this card, you know, up and down, not as much to go into on an in-depth perspective as maybe Ankalaev and Walker. But Saeed Nurmagomedov is on this card. Ikram Alaskarov is fighting Warley Alves on this card. We have a very interesting flyweight fight between Tim Elliott and Mohamed Mohaev. Mohaev still looking to just continue capitalizing on this very good streak that he's on since entering the UFC at like 21, 22 years old. Guy looks to be a legitimate problem. But Tim Elliott, man, a former title challenger. I always talk about his fight with Demetrius Johnson and how great it was, how close it was. That's a very scrappy dude that it's not going to come easy from Ohio if he wants to continue to be, you know, perfect in his career and inside the UFC. Trevor Peak is on this card. That always guarantees violence. Javid Basharat's fighting Victor Henry. That's a very good slept on Bantamweight fight. I mean, who else is on this card? Nathaniel Woods on this card. And then there's also a big-time debut. Um, I'm going to really butcher this name. So I'm going to say Shara Magomedov to kind of save me from destroying his name. He's fighting Bruno Silva, the first fight of the night at middleweight. Magomedov is undefeated 11-0. Bruno Silva is a man that loves to have himself a nice old-fashioned scrap. A lot of people big on Magomedov. I haven't got to see much of him, but I'm hearing a lot of good things about him. I'm seeing a lot of good things in the community about him. So I'm very excited to see if he can live up to some of that hype and get, that's a big debut, man, to come into the UFC and you're fighting Bruno Silva. It seems that he could have the kind of fast pass, if you will, if he comes in and gets a big time win over Silva. So it's a pretty solid card all in all. I wouldn't expect anything else in Abu Dhabi. UFC 294 is going to be great. Let me know if you guys are excited for it like I am. But before we get out of here, there are a you know three-fight little trifecta that I want to touch on really quick for December, uh, for, I believe, December 2nd in Texas, and then two at UFC 296 two weeks later on December 16th. We start with UFC Austin. Austin, Texas. UFC heading back down south. Big-time fight here, and it is not the main event. So this is going to be a hell of a uh, fight night card for the UFC because this is Benil Dariush versus Arman Saryukian. That is a great, great fight at lightweight to continue kind of the momentum, the movement of the rankings here. Benil coming off of his loss to Oliveira, but still ranked number four 
Armand sitting at number eight, a guy that I believe is going to hold a title before his career is all said and done. That is a huge, huge fight, you know, to go down in Texas. And it makes you wonder, I mean, number four versus number eight at lightweight, a division that every fan has their eyes on. And it's not the main event, at least as of now, according to the UFC's plans. What's going to happen down in Texas? What's going to be the main event? Give me your bold predictions. What do you think right now? This is going to be the co-main, I would have to imagine. What's going to be a bigger fight than Dariush versus Saryukian December 2nd? We move on two weeks later. Cody Garbrandt back in action, at least hopefully. He gets a lot of fights canceled these days, it feels like. Uh, it is at back at Bantamweight, though. No more flyweight right now for Cody against Brian Boom Kelleher. That's a fun fight. That's a very good matchup. And this was made by Joe, who won the matchmaker sweepstakes. It was like a competition that the UFC was running. If you put together like a really good five-fight card, your dream card, and the UFC liked that the most, they would fly you out to MSG next month for the Jones Stipe card sit with Dana, get a tour of the PI, like all this cool stuff. And this guy, Joe, comes in. The UFC love him so much, his knowledge and passion for the game and like all of the fighters. They hire him, and he's helping matchmake now for the UFC. That is such a cool story. Like That makes me like such a fanboy for this guy, Joe, and I just am so, in a way, jealous. Honestly, Joe, you are the man. I'd love to talk to you sometime. That is so cool, the process that... uh enabled him to get to this position. And this apparently was the first fight that he made, you know, as a matchmaker for the UFC. And it's a pretty good one. Cody Garbrandt uh, and Brian Kelleher. And then the other fight at UFC 296 on December 16th is very good at featherweight. Two top contenders here. What even are the numbers in specific? We got number eight, Giga Chikadze. Number six, Josh Emmett. Giga just returned uh, against Alex Caceres not too long ago. Josh Emmett coming off of a loss to Yair Rodriguez for the interim scrap down at 145. They are fighting each other. Number six, number eight, Josh Emmett, Giga Chikadze. That card is really shaping up to be a very, very good end-of-the-year event for the UFC. So those are the trifecta of fights. December shaping up to be quite fun, if you ask me, for the UFC and their calendar. Let me know what your favorite of those three Fight announcements are. I'm looking forward to all of them. They're all very good. They all make sense. And again, Austin, Texas, I'm very interested for what the main event could be for that card. But that's all we got for today's preview show. A little bit longer now for the solo layout, which I figured because this is just such a big weekend for the fight world, the MMA community. Hope you guys are excited. I know I sure am. We're going to watch these fights this weekend, and then we'll break it all down and recap it on Monday kind of discuss what is next for everybody. I will just say for those of you that follow on social media, at the Bajma, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, TikTok, I usually try to live tweet the big time things that go on during cards, but I will be working this Saturday when the card is happening. I think it starts at 10 a.m. Uh, main card is at 2, so I may be a little bit more radio silent uh, on Saturday, I'm hoping I can get to see a majority of these fights. Obviously, especially the main card, I hope that I can get a chance to still see. So it may just be uh, a little different in terms of live coverage, but hopefully the recap and everything on Monday aren't affected by that. But just wanted to let you guys all know. And then, of course, if you're you know a fan of you know shorts and quick hitting videos or 
you know, kind of shorter things rather than listening to a long form audio podcast, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. All the support on all the platforms mean a lot, uh, mean a lot. They help our community grow. So thank you guys. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the fights. And I'll see you guys on. I keep burping as I'm outroing. Excuse me if you hear those on Monday. <laughs>